I was sitting on a great deal of equity that was doing absolutely nothing for me. But what I noticed with the wealthy investors is they look at their money as utilization. So they're using that money is being used all the time. Almost visually, it's like it's a flowing entity. They're always putting their money into things that are working for them. And that can change. They can move their investment to something else, but they're constantly letting their money work for them. It's not just sitting, you know, stagnant. It's working for them. It's providing a cash flow or a good return. But they're also very conscious about the tax that, you know, how to mitigate their taxes at the end of their investment. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Stephanie Walter. And today we're learning about her journey going from being a business owner of an insurance agency and a single family investor to selling the insurance agency, selling her single families that she was self-managing to now investing in real estate, investing in multifamily via syndication, her current venture, why she made that shift, how she acquired the single families in the first place, how she managed them, why she started the insurance agency in the first place. Spoiler alert, it might have something to do with frustration with how much she was gonna be earning in her career track at the time, started the insurance agency to earn more money, got into real estate to build more wealth, and is still in real estate, but doing it in a more business owner-like fashion, if you will. We're going through that whole journey and so much more lessons that she's learned along the way, money lessons that she's learned from the wealthy investors that she now works with in the multifamily syndication space, and so much more. A lot of lessons in this one, especially about money and your time and life. I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor, and I help busy people passively invest in commercial real estate, specifically in apartment building and self-storage syndications. If you're interested in learning more and potentially interested in investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form, schedule a call with me, and I'll look forward to speaking with you then. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. No matter what podcast app you use, if you enjoy the show, look us up, hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. That's when we're here. That's when we're helping you escape the Wall Street casino. Once again, our guest today is Stephanie Walter. Without any further ado, here we go. Stephanie, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to continue our conversation only now. It will be recorded for our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background. Can you tell us about what you do, where you come from, and what you do in business, what you've done? Yeah, I am a syndicator, a capital raiser, largely. And I I got into this business a little bit later in life. Prior to that, I owned an insurance agency that I had for 16 years and was a landlord, reluctant landlord for many (laughs) years until I learned I was 45 and I was brought to a boot camp and I learned about syndications. And when I heard that theory and concept for me, I was sort of sold and everything I've done 
you know, from there forward is, has just, you know, propelled me to where I am, which is, you know, largely I deal with investors and raise capital for cash flowing syndications. Awesome. Great. You mentioned your former life in insurance. Can you tell us about that and and your exit from that business? Yeah, you know, I loved it. I actually quit a W-2 job when I was in my late 20s to get into to I wanted to I had a 2% raise and <laughs> I remember going and and talking to my dad and just being like, what am I going to do here? And he's like, you know what you're going to get if you stay there. If you go out on your own, you know, it's up to you to, you know, do what you can do. And I gave my notice a couple of weeks later and started the insurance. And that was really great. I continued to invest in real estate, but not syndications, just single family homes when I was in insurance. The thing that got me frustrated with insurance was that my clients really loved dealing with me. I loved dealing with them, but there was still a lot that was out of my control. Like if there was a claim or if the rates went up or something like that, there was still a lot that was out of my control. So this really appealed to me to bring investors in and really be, you know, responsible and you know, you're in charge and you can fix things that, that people may be unhappy with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you started the insurance agency in 2005 and I don't know exactly when you started buying single families, but how did that start up? And let's dig into that experience and, you know, why you chose to shift to. Yeah. Real estate just always made sense to me. I think offline, I told you I had my series six and 63, which Mm -hmm. is what my company had required when I was an insurance agent to get, but the stock market and the way that we were trained as financial professionals, it just seemed like kind of a crapshoot. <laughs> I mean, it's just like figure out where their you know risk tolerance is and then put them in this little bucket. And I just never liked that for me. I liked real estate. I've always loved real estate. My dad invested in, you know, different forms of real estate and real estate always made sense to me. Like, you know, you find a rental, fix it up and get a good tenant in it. And so that always made sense to me. So that's why I actually start. I bought my first rental property in 2005. Wow. So, I mean, that a couple of years later, when the great recession came, did you regret that at the time or, or how did that whole run up and then crash and then, you know, run back up? Effects. No, I mean, I'm in Denver. So, Denver actually, you know, we did have definitely a crash in the sense that things went down a little bit, but mostly what I wish is that I would have bought more. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, like I bought actually the bulk of, you know, I had five rental properties and I bought most of them in 2008 to 2010. And yeah, that it was crazy. Just all the vacancies here and all that. (laughs) So how did you handle, you know, running your insurance agency and the rentals at the same time? And I guess really what I'm getting at is, was the level of work for the rentals, what kept you from buying more or really what held you back? Because things were still, you know, on sale in 2010, but maybe it didn't seem like it. Well, you know, I just kind of dug in as a, as a property manager. I 
you know, wow, you learn a lot, you know, when you do it that way. And I even actually, you know, a few years before I discovered all the syndication, looked into property management and for a very short time had a property manager, but realized that they're coming back to me to ask me everything that <laughs> I could do myself. And so, and they're taking you know, seven or 8%. And so that lasted for me just for a few months. But yeah, you know, I think landlords, you get really worn out over time. I know that the things that did me in was, you know, just things that are completely out of your control, like a flood, there was a big flood in, in one of my houses, because a tiny little thing around the toilet, a ring broke. And, you know, and that was insane how much water and the cleanup and it took months and months. And again, I don't know that a property manager could have helped that much. You know, you're still going to have to be in charge of making a lot of decisions, but I just got kind of tired, tired of it. And so the syndication came to me about that same time where I was becoming the tired landlord at that <laughs> point. <laughs> so it sounds like you you had the insurance agency and in the single family space, at least you kind of bought a bunch of little jobs. I mean, is what mm-hmm. I'm hearing out of it. So in your various you know business dealings that you've had over the years and now as a syndicator, you interact with a lot of, you know, very wealthy people. You're telling me a bit about them before we started recording. And can you tell us about their mindsets around money? Because wealthy people tend to think differently about money, but we don't always uh, know how, like, what do they actually think? Yeah. And I mean, I thought I was one of the ones that thought correctly about money. You know, I, I'd been raised by an entrepreneur and someone who invested, but I still, that there are two ways that people look at money. And one is what everyone, mostly everyone in our population looks at their money as accumulation, whether that's the grandma putting her little bag of money under her bed or keeping money into, a, you know, your bank account or more commonly keeping your 401k you know, giving more and more money to it with little control. There's fees and then there's that unknown tax bill at the end. But I was doing the same thing with my rentals. I had, you know, was thinking, well, I'll just keep working as this landlord and for 30 years until I get these paid off. And I was sitting on a great deal of equity that was doing absolutely nothing for me. But what I noticed with the wealthy investors is they look at their money as utilization. So they're using, that money is being used all the time. Almost visually, it's like, it's a flowing entity. They're always putting their money into things that are working for them. And that can change. They can move their investment into something else, but they're constantly letting their money work for them. It's not just sitting, you know, stagnant. It's working for them. It's providing a cash flow or a good return, but they're also very conscious about the tax that, you know, how to mitigate their taxes at the end of their investment. So there, it's much more an active approach to take, but when I kind of switched my thinking and I ended up selling my rentals and investing in, you know, cash flowing 
syndications that, I mean, in a, a couple of years later, I was ready to retire or sell my insurance agency and do this full time because I had replaced my income. Awesome. Wow. That's great. I mean, I think a lot of landlords tend to, or a lot of busy professionals who get into landlording don't think about their return on equity in particular that maybe talk about, I'm going to get a mortgage, but I'm going to pay it down as fast as I can. So I get all that cash flow coming to me. But then in in practice or in reality, they're not making that much money on the actual equity that they have in their properties. Their money is not working for them at the highest rate that it could. Correct. Yeah. And I mean, I was cash flowing a few hundred dollars out of these properties I had enormous amounts of equity in. So yeah. So how did you how did you make that shift? I mean, you started learning about it, but did you sell one off and and start investing? I mean, what does the transition look like, you know, in your case? For, yeah, for me, I actually did my first syndication by myself, which was not what I would recommend for anyone to do. <laughs> <laughs> and once I did that, I met my partner and we found another deal and I was like, "You know what? I think the best way to show people, because this was really my first deal I raised money for, is that I have my own money in this. So I sold my first, one of my first rental properties and put my money into that deal. And, you know, I, I figured what would be a better way than having my money in my own deal that I'm responsible for managing. So, yes. So then once that happened, I just sort of like every year, after that, maybe I think I, I sold two in one year and just I found that I really loved having that cash flow come to me without any like worry about, hey, it's getting cold and the you know furnace is out or there's a pipe that just bursts. Or, I mean, it's just that piece of knowing that nothing's going to happen <laughs> to your properties anymore and that's all someone else's problem. Plus you get a lot of cash flow. So that's what I found with a lot of investors that I work with is they'll try it out with, you know, one of their one of their rentals. And then they're like, oh yeah, sign me up for that again. Because it it really is, you know, it's not do it yourself, it's done for you, you know, real estate is how I look at it. Absolutely. So you're in Denver or in the Denver area. And mm -hmm. I think now you're investing in Florida. Were your rentals in Denver? And then yeah. did you start investing in Florida? How did that regional transition happen? Yeah. Well, my partner that I've worked with for like 11 of these syndications is in Florida. He's 35 years of a commercial broker. So he's got, you know, he knows the area in and out. He has the relationships with people. We have boots on the ground there. We have, you know, our property management management in-house because we're, you know, we're all there in Florida. And so, yeah, when I started selling, I did start looking in Colorado, to be honest with you, but it was very, it's very hard to make a deal work to bring investors into. And Florida has a lot of fantastic qualities, which we saw through COVID, you know, which is that it's a very landlord friendly state. There's an enormous amount of people moving there. And there's, you know, this national housing shortage that we all know about. We're like, we're short about 4.5 million houses and living spaces. So it's really a supply and demand thing in Florida right now. And it's hard to go wrong there. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's surprising that you know we're, we have this huge housing shortage, and the solution is not, "Hey, let's build more housing." But you know, we can't expect uh, effective solutions from the government. So, we also talked a touch a little bit on in our earlier conversation about cost segregation. It's a topic that comes up a lot, but I feel like the folks that talk about it the most are the ones who actually do the cost segregation, you know, studies and analysis, and are you know selling those services. But you know, in your position as a syndicator, syndication investor. How are you using cost segregation in your business? The way that we use it, we use it on every single property. And so that's just, you know, we order a cost segregation right after we purchase a property. And really all that is, is it's just a person that it's just speeding up depreciation is, is a short way of saying what it is. And then what we do is pass along those savings to our investors and they can be pretty significant in that first first year, you know, between maybe 35 and 40% of what you've invested will come back as a tax liability or, you know, for you. So in, in going back to that, you know, wealthy versus, you know, the rest of us mindset juxtaposition, how do you find that the the wealthy kind of think about those things like accelerating, doing cost seg and accelerating depreciation and all of that? How does that typically factor into their priorities when investing in real estate? Very, very high. Yeah. I can remember when I just started raising money as green as can be, I was invited to sit down with four gentlemen and you know gave my spiel about the new property I was raising for they just peppered me with questions. Like I was very rattled after it felt like, you know, (laughs) I learned, you know, I had a lot of questions coming at me, but at the end I walked out the door with, with one of the men. And I said, you know, we were doing a cost seg as soon as we purchased this. And he was like, Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely give me a call. And he was my first investor. That's actually been in almost all of our deals and sat down and wrote me a check for 300,000. And that's because he owns a lot, lot of businesses and that cost segregation is very helpful to him. So that, yeah, the tax benefits for some people can be almost more of a, you know, benefit to them. That could be the reason that they choose to act. I work with a lot of investors from California and that's it. The taxing is definitely something that they're looking to mitigate their taxes for sure. Okay. So Florida being a state with, which I believe does not have a state income tax, but generates a revenue on property taxes. Do you find people, you know, have hangups about the, the high, relatively high property taxes or, or anything like that? Any uh, concerns there? Or they just say, you know, it'll come out in the, come on the wall. I mean, yeah, they're definitely high, but I've never had an investor bring that up to me because, you know, that's figured into our underwriting and they're happy. They're just getting their check, their cash flow check every, every month. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So I'm curious about <clears throat> making the shift from single family investing to, you know, doing all these multifamily deals. You have your partner down there in Florida. You've done all these deals with, were there any I'm I'm sure there were. So I maybe be more specific. Which big lessons or big lesson did you stumble upon in in making this shift? Right. There's always something big that we're going to run into. We're going to learn that's going to be different from our prior experience. So 
what came up in your shift from mm-hmm. single family to multifamily? Yeah, ton, tons of stuff. I mean, I, I wish to say that, you know, everything is easy and smooth sailing. I think the biggest thing I learned was when I did my first deal by myself, um, that syndication by myself, that I was just kind of, I don't know, I just felt like, Oh, I've run my own business for, you know, 15 or 16 years. I can do this. And syndication is a large undertaking. And to find the right partners is it's absolutely essential. And so I'd say, yeah, that's the biggest, that was the biggest lesson I learned was, you know, that you need a team to, to make, to be successful in this world. Oh, absolutely. Of syndication. Not world in general. (laughs) (laughs) But making that shift from single family where you could do it all yourself and find the deals yourself and all of that to multifamily, you're saying that having a partner or having a team in place is really, uh, really critical. And it was a big learning experience for you from that first deal. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because whatever you're missing... That and maybe you know you're newer into the business. It, whatever you're missing is going to negatively affect your investors at the end of the day. And so, you want to be sure you've got a, a well-oiled machine. <laughs> nice, absolutely, I love it. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, Stephanie, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Yes. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? That that one is hard because it does come. I mean, education and experience are the things that have got me to, to where I am now. I would say that the best one that I've invested in was our first one. And it's a long story, but it's a retail center that we got off market from a church. And the returns, we're getting close to going full cycle with it, are going to be over 42% a year. Whoa. So <laughs> so that one, and that one I is I sold my first rental and put my equity into that one. So that would be my best investment, I think. <laughs> nice, nice. I, I don't blame you. That would be my best one too. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? That's I'll just say the this one that I did first, my first indication, which that's a whole nother show, but it was a frater- it is a fraternity house that I still own with a small group of people. I manage it and it's the worst investment in the sense that 
I'm responsible for everything. <laughs> and I, you know, you still have those thoughts of I'm still not free of the nightmares of a landlord because I still have those concerns. But my investors are happy because it cash flows really well. I tried to talk them into selling it this year and they were like, no, no, this it's going so well. So my goal is really someday that I'll be able to sell that one and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and never worry about tenants again. <laughs> nice. Recapture some of your time and mental energy back. So yeah. I like that. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? I mean, I would say for sure to be open to new ideas. I got into this definitely later in life, but to I had a real strong view of what I thought my retirement would look like and what I needed to do in order to get there. But just working with people and noticing the way that they were handling their money, I think being open to different ways of, of different ideas like syndications, like what your money should be doing for you, maybe questioning some ways that we've looked at money up until this point, specifically the, you know, the 401k and the limitations there. So I'd say just definitely having an open mind and, you know, being receptive to new ideas and being able to change your steps to implement them. Awesome. Awesome. I like that. I want to thank you for joining us today. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn more, anything like that, where can they track you down? Yeah. Um, you, the best place is on my website, which is uh, www.erbewealth.com. And there's a ton of stuff there. You can sign up for our newsletter. I have a podcast that should be launching probably within a month or so. Nice. <laughs> and there'll be episodes there, but there's just tons of content really big on educating people so that they understand what a syndication is and how it can benefit them. Yeah. I mean, I think education is key, right? And there is a lot of high quality free content out there to learn almost anything you want, especially in real estate investing. And I want to thank you once again for joining us today and helping provide some more free content out there in the ether. I want to thank everybody out there for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye. 